Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I got to hear that Dr. Dre in the next episode. Yeah. Right, that's the one. I got to hear a little la di da di da that's what I can't I'm wait for. I'm going to go with gin and juice in honor of my older counterparts. Yeah, I'm about to say. Oh, wow. that she was you're too bottle. young. Yeah, you exactly. Were bottle, you but y'all were driving during that time. Is that about you or is that just a shot at us? I'm looking out. I'm just looking out. I missed that during the live show from Chris Sims, and kind of glad I did. What was that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that was either. I don't know. I know it came to my attention last night because, like, uh, as you saw in our group text, my my sister, who's, you know, following TikTok, my daughter, they're all over it. They saw, you know, some people having some laughs about that little segment on TikTok. So that's why it got brought up. But, yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. It's one of those things I kind of messed around with in rehearsal. And then when it came, like, real time to do it, I was like, man, am I really about to go do this and, have, like, be that silly? Uh, so I guess I'll take it. <laughs> Good for you, and and you, you you've been. What's the best word to describe it? Discouraged in the past from singing on the program. But, yeah, uh, I have been discouraged. You're right. <laughs> yeah, uh, not this program. Not this unfortunately, program. Right. the the other one, the slightly more significant one that's on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern during football season. But uh, sing whenever you want here, and and apparently apparently the f bomb is now acceptable on morning football programming. I don't know if you saw Kyle Brandt dropping the F-bomb yesterday. I don't wow. Know. Kyle, Kyle, wow. come to the dark side, Kyle. I yes. like it. That's, that makes yes. it, I, I like Kyle. I like to hear that, too. I mean, wow. Does it, now, the, the fact that they work for the NFL Network, will they get, like, fined by the league? Will I, they have to <laughs> illegally I, use some I language I think it's a personal conduct. <laughs> it's personal conduct. Personal right. conduct policy violation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think he's got some issues there. He's going to hear from the commissioner. <laughs> I love it. I did not know that. I don't know how I missed that. Do you know what was the context of how he dropped it? It, it was a Lee Corso effort, and it oh. just kind of popped out, I guess. Oh, so. it was one of those. That's even better. I like yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. 
The old yeah. accidental one's so, the best one because it's like you don't mean to, and then you realize it comes out of your mouth, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. You've done it accidentally with the S-bomb. You've done it on purpose with the S-bomb. You kind of came really close with an F-bomb once to the point where people thought yes. that that's what you had said, right. but, but it wasn't. So let's not, let's not push it, though, although eh. this would be the perfect week to do it. Here's the thing. They're still all obsessed with the Olympics at NBC. We could do whatever the hell we want. You're and right. They're not even going to know. No, no they're idea. They're just not going to know. No. We could just do a cursed show like Eddie Murphy used to say when he would do the bit where he was chastised by Bill Cosby because of all the swearing in his show. Not that, I mean, Bill Cosby, I guess irony would be the appropriate word there. But Eddie Murphy would say, you just don't come out and do a, a cursed show you don't come out and say hello, and just he rattled off. Yeah, and it was a right. it was a list of profanity that my friends and I used to have memorized, and that would be how we would greet each other. <laughs> which a uh, nice if greeting. any of the parents were around, it was not a, it was not uh, <laughs> it was not so an ideal greeting do. if any of the yeah. grown ups right. heard that. Um, so uh, anyway, you're right. Uh, we could we get away with it. For? We could get away with it. it this yeah. place is crazy. Still, you know. I mean, look at look at me. I'm out of my studio still too. I'm stuck in the corner of the office. But man, it is all Olympics here. There is. The building is completely full. You'd be really comfortable here. You'd be really good with I'm all sure the people be. here around you. Yeah, you'd be really relaxed and normal. <laughs> I'm sure I'd be uttering no profanities whatsoever, and everything would be fine. Although what happened was being in that kind of mask-optional environment for nine days, it, it eventually broke just you kind down of a broke little. me. Yeah, yeah, it did. I know. I know. What, I noticed the last do? day I saw the mask down a little bit here and there, and I went, oh, okay, Mike, Mike, you know. Well, yeah, what can you do? You start to get used well, to it, and you're just like, oh, man, it's, it's tough to fight this all the time. Our compound at SoFi Stadium, it really did feel like a compound. It was huge. It was like a parking lot. It was an interior parking lot yeah. that was gigantic. And so I never felt like we were, you know, pressed right. together. Right. So uh, unlike on the elevator from ground floor to the press box oh, on game I day wish now that, that i wish was, i could have saw that that was covid paradise let me tell you i mean now everybody had their masks on but we were sardined in there uh and and like on the third and fourth and fifth floor they had to yell at people to get off because it was too heavy it wouldn't go right so that's how crowded it was so wow that was, good i'm good. I've, i'm still i'm day three away from that exposure if there was one so i still have one more covid test i'm probably going to take it tonight just to make sure i don't have it so all right uh, anyway, good luck that's the that's the ps the tail on the donkey from our our fun nine days in los angeles let's get to it it was not a fun day for joe burrow on super bowl sunday obviously they didn't win the game if you i don't know if you don't know the outcome to that i don't know where you've been but but he does have that injury, and, you know, as we surmised after the game, if it was a normal regular season Sunday, he probably is out for the rest of the game. He probably doesn't come back, and then we spend all of Monday waiting to hear what the damage was to the knee. We found out yesterday that he's got a knee injury. They didn't get into the specifics which ligaments are impacted, but he won't need surgery, which is good news. You know, it could be like a grade 2 MCL sprain. You don't have surgery for that. It just takes four to six weeks for it to fully heal. He's going to need to do some rehab, so maybe it's more than just resting. With an MCL, you just kind of rest it. But uh, it clearly was injured, and there was no way in hell the guy wasn't going to finish the game. That's right. And he, and he did. Yeah. And he did. Well, how much of it of his preparation for next season it affects, 
we'll see. But it, it sounds like for now it's not a big deal. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. And I think that's the big thing, just the, the fact that, yeah, you don't want the offseason preparation affected by it. I, I think that's the number one thing. Uh, it, it's, 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 another, it's really another warning signal going into the offseason for the Cincinnati Bengals to go like, hey, warning, 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 warning. We have to get more protection for the best player on our football team, the guy that has changed the perception of our football team completely, the culture, everything. I mean, that, that's the big thing. We talked about this a lot last year after the season, about how they put him in harm's way too much as a rookie, which ultimately led to the, you know, the right knee or left knee ACL tear. You know, that, so th- that, to me, has to be priority number one for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's amazing that they were in the Super Bowl with the lack of protection in the divisional round or even the AFC championship round. And then even watching the game back more closely on film, Mike, I mean, the guy, I mean, no chance, no chance. Look at one guy, make a move. Look at one guy, I got to look to assess the pass rush. You know, even like plays where I thought, ooh, the protection was pretty good watching it live on Sunday. When I went back and watched on film, I was like, damn, no, it wasn't. You know, he still had to get the ball out of hand. It just was like, oh, it wasn't just on him right away. But this has to be the number one thing they got to do in this offseason. You got about everything you need on that roster the Cincinnati Bengals you know there's not a lot of weaknesses but that is the one glaring weakness and I think the one thing that can really hold their team back and hopefully they'll spend some money and free agency and maybe get another two guys in the draft and get some depth there but they can't go on like this or they're going to ruin their their crown jewel in Joe Burrow and that becomes an issue not only for the draft, and they have spent draft capital in recent years they have. on the offensive line. Hasn't been the but best. But at some point, you have yep. to go out there and get the proven talent. It's not like there are great left tackles, right tackles, guards, centers available in free agency every given year. And if there are, you got to pay for them. And that's really going to be the challenge for the Cincinnati Bengals. Not just total dollars, but structure. The structure of the contract that is given to a free agent that that is viewed as someone who is skilled and who could help the effort. The allure of Joe Burrow could right. maybe get one of these folks to take less. But I'm looking at Trey Hendrickson's, Trey Hendrickson's contract from last year, their yeah. crown jewel of free agency. Right. They don't guarantee money beyond the first year. They're yeah, one of those deals that? that won't do that. Right. Well, the deal with that is you, you sometimes aren't going to get the best available free agents because they're going to go somewhere where they know they've got two years of fully guaranteed compensation. So right. you, you got a small handful of teams that do that. The Packers, the Bengals, and the Steelers stand out. The Steelers broke that mold with T.J. Watt. Now, whether it's permanent remains to be seen. But the Bengals need to do it if they want to get some competent high-end offensive line talent, uh, even if they're willing to take less total dollars to come play with Joe Burrow, you may have to rethink your structure when it comes time to pay these guys. They're definitely going to have to rethink that structure when it's time to pay Joe Burrow. They may want to go ahead and start rethinking it now. Well, I think so. I think this is a time if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, Mike Brown and company, you know, management, you start to look at it and go, wait, we're, we're, you know, we're in that window we've talked about. You got Joe Burrow on the rookie contract. It's time to kind of go all in right now and start pushing pieces in there and start going, wait, we, we got the team. You know, you really look at it. We, we know the skill positions are set up. They're good there. Got a good tight end. You know, defensive side of the ball. 
You know, yeah, good defensive lineman. Maybe add another guy in free agency there. Linebacker's pretty good. Secondary, pretty good. Yeah, okay, they'll probably look for another corner to help out that, you know, area of the football team as well. But, man, it's really the only thing you look at at the team going forward to go, okay, they got to figure out the right five and how they're going to, you know, manage this offensive line so they can maximize everything that Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase have to offer for the offense. You know, that's where it really stinks, too. You know, you just, again, there's, there, when I watch back the film, there's people open on a, you know, a handful of plays where you go, oh, man, if he's got time, he's going to hit Jamar Chase for a 20 yard out route here. You know, who knows what else other plays are, could be delivered if there was a little bit more protection, like we talked about yesterday. He has another half a second, a second on the last play of the game. He's going to take a few steps to the right and see Jamar Chase wide open down the right sideline because Jalen Ramsey fell. So, got to get it done uh, for the health of Joe borough and to maximize the potential of the great skill unit they got there in Cincinnati what a moment that would have been too you know I just thought of that okay let's say he does see Jamar Chase wide open down the right sideline because their feet got tangled and Jalen Ramsey fell right that ball gets thrown and we saw and we, we've talked about how well Jamar Chase tracked that long throw in the first quarter where where Joe Burrow just kind of threw it up there and Chase went and got it think about the moment though you got the Super Bowl on the line, win or lose. And you see at the bottom of the screen, there goes Chase. Win or lose, ball is in the air, 100 million plus watching, and a guy who has a recent history of drops has the ball coming in with no one around him. What a moment that would have been as the ball descends and either is or isn't caught like Robin Williams in the best of times. <laughs> yeah. It would have been one of the all-time great Super Bowl moments. Either way, either he makes the catch or, you know, it squirts through his hands and he's the all-time goat of Super Bowl history. Yeah, I mean, listen, it would have been an unbelievable moment. You're right. It really would have. Uh I don't know. It's one of those where there's a part of you that goes, yeah, that would have been awesome to see. There's also a part of you that goes, I don't know if I really wanted to see that when a guy falls down and trips and that wins the Super Bowl either. Uh, either way, we didn't get to it for the problem we're talking about. You know, that the fact that they couldn't figure out at all, you know, how to block the front four of the Los Angeles Rams. And the Los Angeles Rams, you know, to a point you brought up Monday or Sunday right after the game when we talked about that pivotal moment after the interception, you know, that goes back to the offensive line too. You know, there they are in a third and manageable situation. He only gets a chance to look at one guy, and then boom, there's Aaron Donald right on top of him. You know, had a play earlier in the drive where he had to scramble to the left almost instantly. So it was an issue. It cost their football team. You know, they're, they're unable to sustain drives a lot of the time, the Bengals. That's why they're the big play Bengals a lot of the times is because they're not capable of driving 12 plays, 80 yards, because their offensive line can't always put it together that way against the better defenses in football. So that's got to be, a, 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 like, the number one priority in the offseason. And I'm sitting here, you know, looking at free agent offensive linemen. There's going to be some out there that can help their football team a little bit. They're just going to have to figure out what they're going to spend in this contract situation, to your point, Mike. Or, or they need to think about trading for some guys. If Maybe they can. that I too, mean, right? All options need to be on the table. That's right. They need to make that offensive line better. Draft, free agency, trades, whatever it takes, and use the fact, as you said, they've got one more year of low cost relative to what it's going to be. Right. Compensation for Joe Burrow, and you know the, the the top objective next year, as soon as the regular season ends, is going to be pay Joe Burrow. Pretty He's much, you're get right. Paid. He may he may be. 
let's assume they make it to the playoffs yeah. next year. And right. I wouldn't assume anything with the AFC right now when you look around at the quality of the teams and the Definitely quality of the quarterbacks. Not. But let's just assume they make it to the playoffs. He could be the first one who says, I want my second contract before I set foot on the field for my first playoff game after my third season. Because the window opens. People think it opens after the third season is completely in the books. No, 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 no. It opens the moment the regular season ends. And if anybody is going to do that play, which they should do, you pay me before I play in the first playoff game after my third season, it's Joe Burrow. We, we can set everything up. We can have it ready to go. We can do all the negotiation in November and December. The moment that week 18 ends, I want to put pen to paper. I want to do it. I've earned it. I've, I've, uh, I've shown you what I can do, and now it's time to pay me accordingly. And, uh, they, they, and I, I won't be surprised if they, they push it in that direction. If Burroughs camp pushes it that way, and the Bengals would be wise to do whatever the hell that guy wants, because they have their guy for the next 15 years. Well, they do got whatever they want. I don't know if I'm going to buy into that. Like, we're going to make a stand I about contract should. before the playoff game? I mean, man, you talk about a distraction. He got sacked. He got sacked okay. 16 times. You don't have to make it publicly. No. You don't have to make it publicly. You I tell know, him privately. You don't have to do it. Okay. All right. I mean, but still, we know how that goes. It's going to come out publicly. I mean, there's no way something like that is going to, like, you know, I'm not going to play a playoff game unless you give me that. No, I'm not right. saying that. I'm All right. Saying you just want it done it. before that? That's what you're saying? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, look, what's right is right. What's right is right. And I want my contract before I play in my first playoff game after my third season. Not that he's going to hold out. Just take the stand. I don't think anybody's ever even taken the stand and said, I want this. No. You want to keep me right. happy? You want me to be here for the next 15 years? You'll do this. If you don't want me to be happy, if you, if you want me to be thinking about other options, then you won't do it. And look, I, I know that it's his love fest, and Joe Burrow is from Ohio, and it's great. Everybody in Cincinnati's happy, except they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they think the future is bright. Hey, Joe Burrow is going to take care of business for himself, and the Bengals are either going to meet him halfway or he will start thinking about his options. He will. That, that, and it's consistent with that kind of that understated swagger that he doesn't care who he pisses off. He says what he believes, and he hasn't been put in a position yet where he's had to do it. And, and I think the hope will be that the Bengals don't put him in a position where he ever has to. Right. That, that uh, you take care of me. You do, by, you do right by me. Go get me offensive linemen this year. And when it's time for me to get my compensation before I put my body in harm's way in the playoffs after the 2022 season, you, you take care of me. Period. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. don't think it's crazy and I don't think it's wrong. And it's consistent with all the arguments we ever make on behalf of players getting what they deserve. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I guess I just misunderstood the way you framed it the first time around. But Yeah, yeah I mean, he's not going to hold out. Yeah. It's, Although it's, if he does, they're, I think it would be awesome. They're, they're going to take care of him. I mean, you, everything that just looks at you look at it right now at face value, it looks like it's going right down the road of Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. You know, they, they realize what they got there. You know, we've already called him, what, the crown jewel twice, you know, in the show to start. He is. I mean, he's the guy in Cincinnati. He's the guy that has changed everything, like we've joked about. The uniforms look cooler. You know, he's the new young guy on the 
on the on the block where the the young kids want to be Joe Burrow. I mean, you know, my, my like I've told you, my little boy, yeah, it's Patrick Mahomes one, but it was Joe Burrow too. He wanted to root for the Rams going in the whole week for the Super Bowl. But man, he got to that stadium and he saw the pictures of Joe Burrow and he likes Joe Burrow and he said, "The hell with it, I'm going with Joe Burrow." You know, I mean, he's one of those guys again that's got that million dollar smile like Mahomes, like Steph Curry. I mean, so I don't think they're going to mess around here. They know what they got. Uh, I mean, they so I, I would expect that something significant. Whether it's signed or not by playoffs next year, they know it's on the table. We're getting close. You know, the writing's on the wall. I would be absolutely shocked if they don't do right by Joe Burrow. Plus do right a, by oh, Joe. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, plus, like, he's an Ohio guy, like you said. I think that even puts more pressure on the Bengals to make sure it gets done and that they keep one of their own there in, in one of this, you know, the great cities of Ohio. Hey, it took a great player like T.J. Watt to get the Steelers to change their ways. Yeah, Joe right, Burrow may right. be able to get the Bengals to change their ways in a lot of ways. Yeah. In a lot of ways that need to be changed by the Bengals organization. They have fallen uh, into Burrow and Chase, and now you've uh, you got you to do right by the fact that you have the potential to have a historic run. You don't just sit back and let Burrow and Chase do it. You've got to really work to put the team around them. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, I think that's the real thing. Like, like we saw, hey, even Kansas City last year went to the Super Bowl. Wasn't good enough. Not good enough to have that pass protection, right? We, just, we saw a team do, do the, go through really actually worse than what Joe Burrow had to deal with last, last week. I mean, really. Mahomes had a deal with worse, except Mahomes was just more slippery and a better mover to where he avoided, you know, being sacked seven times. And I don't even know how ultimately how many times he got sacked. I don't remember from last year. But it was the same type of talk. We went into the offseason going, they got to fix that. That's not fair to Mahomes. All he did was run around and save the team the last eight weeks of the year last year. And that's the kind of the way it felt for Burrow coming down the stretch of the season. It really didn't, especially when we got into the playoffs. We got to the cream of the crop and some of those defensive linemen, you know, I mean, some of those defensive lines just absolutely you know, dominated Cincinnati up front. And he got away with it against the Titans. Tannehill made some you know, interceptions. They made enough plays in the pass game. You know, the second week, he just, you know, the, the AFC Championship barely got away with it. You know, got out, of the, got out on the edge and ran for some big, you know, third downs four times. But as we, you know and we talk about all the time, you're going to face that team that's your kryptonite, and they finally got it. The team that, oh, you did break the pocket, but it doesn't matter. You're not going to turn the corner on us because we have Von Miller and Aaron Donald, and we'll run right down the line of scrimmage, and you won't be able to scramble or do that. His, he wasn't as effective against this group, right? He only had the one or two scrambles, really. And, you know, that, that's the big thing. they got to figure that out and make a move like you talked about earlier. Make, maybe make a trade to get an Orlando Brown, like – like the uh, Chiefs did, or you know, sign sign Brandon Scherf, who's going to be a free agent right guard. He's going to be out there. Give him top dollar for the position. Start showing your team that we're going to go all in and we're going for the Super Bowl. And give Joe Burrow the confidence that you're going to protect him, so he does feel good. And maybe he doesn't, you know, make you pay him the the forty six million dollars a year if you do right by him. And maybe he'll take just a little less to have the good offensive line and do the things we've seen Patrick Mahomes do for his contract. Here's the other thing to remember too: as the new TV contracts take root. The numbers are going to go up and up and yeah, up. Right. So the cap goes up, the pay goes up, fifty million, fifty-five million. It's going to get higher and higher 
you've already got guys making more per year than what the salary cap initially was back in 93-94. That's crazy. It's, it's absolutely crazy. so much money. <laughs> so it was like, remember the first year they well, had one, it was like 40, it was 43 million or something well, like that. I mean, I remember my la- my dad's last season in the NFL, 1993, and that was the year, right? Troy Aikman signed like an eight-year, $55 million deal, and people's heads were blowing off. They were literally like, What? He's getting $55 million over eight years, and we're getting to the point now, like you're talking about, we're right around the corner from quarterbacks making $50 million a year. That's, it's insane how far it's come. Well, and it's all because of the money that keeps pouring into the sport. It's yeah. good for the owners, it's good for the players, because they roughly share everything 50-50. Another guy who's in line to maybe get a little bit more, Matthew Stafford entering the final year of his contract, total compensation for 2022 of $22 million. Something's wrong with that picture, right? But uh, that that I assume that will get taken care of in time. For now, here's Stafford, and this is quite a get for a <laughs> podcast known as The Morning Literally After is. with Kelly Stafford, <laughs> exclusive. exclusive, exclusive. Hey, dear, hey, dear, can we have a conversation? Let It'd me turn the microphone on before you start. Yeah, it's good here's, for my here's, brand, uh, honey. <laughs> Matthew Stafford talking about Super Bowl Fifty Six MVP Cooper Cup. Cooper okay. and I were talking about last night, just all the time we spend together. Yeah. And he being just the stud that he is, he woke up this morning and decided to do some math. And he said 70 hours during training camp, 15 hours a week for 22 weeks, 330 during season. Somehow the 330 plus 70 got to 500, might be 400, but I think he's adding something else in there. But he just said 500 hours of extra time on the season that we spent together. Not with coaches, not with anybody else, just us two kind of watching tape, talking ball, figuring it out. He said it's about 21 full days worth of prep, and uh, that's what makes that guy special. Yeah, somehow they rounded up from 400 to 500. It's still a lot of extra time, and but that, that's what you got to do. That We talk about that all the time. That's what right. is your level of commitment? Right. How much time are you spending on details? knowing when to do what to do based upon what the other team is doing. And part of that is fun. Finding the spots, it's the challenge. You know you know what you can do physically, but you have to be able to match it up to what the other side is doing. And if you find those openings, and if you put in the work, and the work is required to find those openings, you're going to be more effective. And the question is, how badly do you want it? How much time are you going to put in? You know what Tom Brady always said? Right. Are you willing to give your life over to it? Because I am. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, you know, listen, I think that's what's cool about the Rams football team. I think that's why they're easy to root for. It starts with the coach. He's he's one of those guys, like Tom Brady's quote. You know, he it, it's life. They're they're gonna do whatever they gotta do. Cooper Cup, it's the same thing. He's gonna take like five days off, and he'll be thinking about football again. You know, by the end of this week, and what do I gotta do? And oh, I should probably work out and train. You know that that's how you can create a special connection. In such a short period of time, you got to have, you know, the the fortitude and the mental toughness and the work ethic like Brady or Matt Stafford to do the extra things. Hey, let's stay out after practice. Hey, let's go, you know, it's before training camp, but let's get two weeks of work together before training camp starts so we're on the same page so we can hit training camp running and going, not like, oh, we're still getting rhythm in week three. It's those little things that do put you over the top. And I think that's what's cool about the Rams because I think between those two, you know, even Van Jefferson, 
Robert Woods when he's healthy. Odell's that way. You know, even though they got these stars, Aaron Donald, Floyd, Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, they love football. That's what's really cool about the Los Angeles Rams, and that's why it works. They wanted to win for each other, and I think they got a lot of guys that, yeah, they like themselves a lot, but they like team and winning and dominate and be the king of the NFL as well. And uh, they're able to check their egos at the door and, and do those type of things. I think that's why it's, it's fun for the Rams, or at least it's easy to root for the Rams. And the challenge becomes once you've climbed to the top of the mountain, you've done it once, you go back to the bottom of the mountain and you do it again. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's what we just did. And, oh, by the way, 31 other teams want to do the same thing. And the target on us is going to be even larger next year as we try to do it again. We're going to get the best out of everyone. That's going to be an issue for both of these teams, especially the Bengals. Yes. Just to go back to them. For the Bengals for sure, for though. Seconds. I'm with you, Mike. They're yeah. going to have – think about it. you got right. you got six games in your con, in your division. Ravens, Steelers, Browns. You used to be the team that they'd shrug at, especially right. the Ravens and the Steelers. Now they're all going to be gunning for you. Everybody on your schedule is going to circle the Bengals. Everybody on the schedule is going to circle the Rams. So it's going to take even more work, even more effort for both of these teams to be successful next year like they were this year. No, I agreed. And uh, that, I think it will be more of a a shock to the Bengals. You know, because, yeah, yeah this, this was a – you know, a storied run here down the stretch. It, it was awesome. It was cool. Nobody expected it, really. You know, they rode the momentum of that. But you're right. It's going to be a different mindset next year. When you're in the Super Bowl, everybody's going to gun for you. And, you know, especially if you're the champion. But even if you're in it, regardless, teams are going to just want to, especially early in the season, you know, where are we at compared to the team that made it to the Super Bowl last year? And it's a young football team that's going to have, you know, the burden of expectation on them a little bit. And I don't know, when it comes to the Rams, Mike, I feel a little bit like I did with the Chiefs a few years ago, where I feel like, not saying they're going to go back and win the Super Bowl, I just feel like they got so many studs and self-confidence in the way they are that they're going to be one of those teams that kind of like, I think, thrives with being like the, the hunted a little bit with the bullseye. They're going to be like, oh, great, hey, the biggest show in town's here, so what, bring it. I think that's the kind of team they are a little bit. Uh, I, I don't see them buckling under the pressure of being the Super Bowl champion. You know, I, I, I got two different feels, I guess, as far as it comes to the Bengals and Rams. What do you think about that? Well, you see the Rams I, I being that way, or you think it's going to be tough? Big, we got some big decisions that have yeah, not been made right, yet, right? Right by the Rams. Is Sean McVay going to be back? Is Aaron Donald going to be back? If both of those guys are gone, that changes everything. Of course, right for the Los Angeles Rams. So I, I want to wait and see. How that plays out. It OBJ, may just be, is he'll be back. How's that going to go? Hey, You're right. M, speaking of uh, guys who go by initials, MDS from PFT pointed out yesterday that when you look at when Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL during the 2020 season and when he was cleared to play in 21, that same timeline for the same injury to the same knee this year, he misses all of the season. He misses all of it. So, uh, he, he's starting from square one all over again. And, you know, you've never had the torn ACL, but no. you've been around guys who have rehabbed that injury. I mean, you rehab something more serious. But the ACL rehab is grueling. It's difficult. And to think that you, you've done it, you had the new ACL, you did everything you could to get back to the point where you could be the player that you were, and now you have to do it all over again – it's heartbreaking to think what this guy's going to have to go through over the next year. No doubt about it. it. It's a brutal injury, especially for a wide receiver. 
You know, you talk, you you said it right. It's a grueling process of getting everything strong in that knee. Then you get to a point where you go, oh wait, I'm pretty good. I'm a normal functioning human. Look, I can walk and run. But then you get out there and go, wait, now it's time to run like an NFL receiver. And you go, well, damn, I can't really cut and explode the way I need to as an NFL receiver. It's cool when I'm hanging out with my friends and I'm running around a little, but there's a different level of expectation there. And, yeah, that's where it's going to be tough. I mean, you know, we, we are in an era where we see people come back from the ACL seven, eight months you know, around that time period. Hopefully this will be faster. But it is rare that we see ACL same leg two years in a row this day and age. We don't see that a whole lot. That's a little concerning to me. And the last thing, Mike, you know I'll say it. I've been waiting to say this all week. Can we get rid of mother effing field turf in football? Can we get rid of it? I want to say it's so bad because it deserves an F word really bad. But can we get rid of it? You know, we talk about all the money and stuff, and the owners don't want to spend money on anything. Owners, you will save so much money and won't have to sign extra players on your roster, and you'll make money that way. I know you'll have to, you know, maybe take care and cut the lawn every now and then and pay the bill there for the grass. But can we get grass fields in every stadium? I've had enough. You know, like we've talked about before. You know, it, the great soccer players over in Europe won't even play. It's in their contract. They will not play on field turf. We are ruining people's careers. We worry about, you know, player safety and all that. None of the players like to play on field turf over grass. None. It's 0.000. They got to change it. It's ridiculous. And I blame it on the turf and the NFL for a part of the reason Odell got hurt. And. You know, this pops up every once in a while, and it is incomprehensible to me. Even if you're cheap, you have an investment. Even if you view these guys right. as robots, right. and you don't care about them as human beings, and you become completely desensitized to it because it's this constant churn. We get 90 guys in the offseason, we tell 37 of them to go away, and then throughout the season we get rid of this guy, this guy gets injured. They're no longer humans. They're just, they're just replacement parts. You still want those parts to work. Even yeah. if you don't view them as human beings, you still want them to work. Right. You want your investment that you've made in these in these parts. You want to put them in a position, in an environment, in a machine that allows them to not break. Right. That's what's so ridiculous it's about crazy. it. Like, how much could it cost? And, and, hey, we saw that stadium. We saw it. Okay? Right. It's going to be the magnet for a Super Bowl every four or five years. Yeah. Why didn't they build it? With the Allegiant Stadium or the State Farm Stadium, I know. slide in a tray of grass right. from somewhere. Have it come up from underground. Have it drop from the ceiling. Right. I mean, hell, everything else they have there, it's they could have notch. figured out some way to get grass in there and right. take the grass out and put something else in if they wanted to. They could, they could do it all if they I wanted know. to do it. I know. It's frustrating. It really bothers me as an ex-player. It bothered me when I was playing in the NFL 10 years ago. Or now it's 11 or 12 years ago. Holy crap. But it bothered me then. Yeah, I know. And it bothered players then. It did. I can tell you that even if we had a day, whether I was working for New England or playing for Denver, the Titans, if we had a day where, hey, we're going to go on the field turf today and practice there or go indoors, the players hated it. I mean, especially the linemen. They hated it. Oh, man. Really, I'm going to go in there. It feels different. 
What about it? Tell, well, tell us. It's, tell it's, us what the difference there's is. There's just less give in the ground when you make cuts. You know, of course, grass, again, really cut well, good grass. Like, your cleats go into it. You make tough cuts. But you feel a little give. You know, again, you're wearing the same cleat, but now you're in a field turf. And, yes, there's those black rubber pebbles and everything. But you can at times, yeah, the cuts can be very jarring. There is no give. That cleat gets in there, and it's stuck in there. You know, so there's that issue, let alone because of the rubber pebbles and everything, there's a lot of, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, Mike, but there's reshock, right? Like the, the, the rubber sends, you know, forces back into your feet, your ankles, your calf muscles, your quads to where your legs feel more tired on you know, playing on that surface as compared to, to grass. Like I remember the first few times I was on it, I was cramping in my calf muscles and my shin, you know, like in the second quarter of a game, and I was like, "Man, what the hell is going on with me? I've never had this, but it was it was that." So those are the issues there. It's just too jarring, especially for wide receivers and running backs who got to plant that foot in the ground hard and make really sharp, explosive cuts. And we saw that that step by Odell Beckham Jr. that really didn't look all that no, egregious. Right, blow out the ACL. Right, it's just like he's he steps, the foot got stuck. There's no give, and then the only give left was. The knee. So the knee gives. And that's where it, it stinks. You know, it was a little bit of a bad throw. So he's planted that left foot in the ground to kind of readjust his body. But as he did that, there was no give. It doesn't move. And this is, to me, just where I wish it would change, you know, to your point. And, again, we're talking about the NFL who doesn't want to get extra referees, no sky judge, no full-time referees, not have people to check the gauge of the air. You know, again, these are things so they're worried about saving money there, but they don't worry about, wait, I have a guy on my team who's making $2 million a game, and if he gets hurt, I still got to pay him his $2 million a game, and yet now I'm going to have to sign somebody else and pay that person money too. And that, to me, is where expenses get up there for NFL teams and owners. I mean, I know that. You know, when, yeah, a lot of injuries, we got to sign extra players. Now we have to pay them along the players we already had on the roster. And that's where I don't get it. And I'm sure cutting the lawn and painting the grass would be a lot less money than having to sign all these extra players and pay people not to play because they're hurt from field turf. And you're not going to have your best players. Exactly. Regardless of the money that you got to spend on someone else Period. and you're not getting value from the guys you've already paid, your best players aren't available to play because they're injured because you're too damn cheap. And I'd love to know why, of all the other bells and whistles they have at SoFi Stadium, why they didn't come up with a way to have real grass on that field. With everything else that was a priority for I know, Stan Kroenke. funny. I know. I don't get it either. Why well, wasn't that on the radar screen because for Kevin Demoff or – one of these other masterminds that put this thing together, this football palace, was it unsightly to have a big tray of grass outside? You know, the, who cares the rest of the days of the week? You slide it in for the football games. It's in there. It's not taking up any space. It's not, it's not an eyesore when somebody drives by SoFi Stadium and say, boy, it would look a lot better if there wasn't a, a football field outside. Why is there right. a football field outside? I mean, it's just stupid. There's, there's no reason... There's no reason. I agree with you. Even in a dome stadium, we, we know of at least two, and maybe there's more, but I know of at least two, the one in Phoenix and the one in Las Vegas, where this, the, the tray comes out. It all goes out, and they can take care of it in the open air. They can water it. Is it mean, Houston? Is it Houston does, in LA? Houston's is uh, – is that another one? It's grass, even though it's indoors. Now, I know the roof opens, so they could do it that way, but I want to say Houston right. also has – that same thing where they can roll it in and roll it back out. 
there's something there. But to your point, we have the technology to do it regardless. So that, that, there's no excuse. And, yeah, I don't know why they didn't do it. They opted not to. Probably why. Because, you know, they could get eight more suites on field level right there and get an extra $8 million from everybody in the world. That's why, probably. And you know it has something to do with that. Wait, we can have the roll in field or we can have eight more suites and make more money. Ah, screw the players in the field. Let's get the more suites. I mean, that probably is what it came down to. The other thing, too, that I want to mention before we move on, those little rubber pellets are toxic, No crap. And there have been studies as to whether and to what extent they cause cancer in soccer players, goalies who get them kicked into their mouth. You have an open wound that has them kicked into them. They are old tires that have been ground up. And, hey, at least they found a use for some of the old tires that are all over the place. Right. But, but yeah, if it's – going to make people sick over the long haul and they never really even seem to think about it before they said well we need some cushion for this new fake grass we've come up with what should we do hey let's ground up a bunch of tires hey great idea we got a bunch of old tires you know uh in a pile out here let's do it uh yeah and it may be causing problems that way so something slightly less toxic uh would be the beverages that may be uh (laughs) consumed during the Super Bowl parade, that was another topic that Matthew Stafford touched on in an exclusive appearance. I love on it. His wife's hey, podcast honey, are we going to get drunk in this parade? Whether or, or what? not they'll be drinking <laughs> and throwing the trophy around during the parade, here's Stafford. Are you going to be like Tom Bradying it up at the parade, like he let loose yeah, last think, year on the boat? I think so. All right, so yes. like you're going to let it rip. You're going to let the ride, right? Uh, yeah. Probably not to the level that you would want, but... I mean, if Tom Brady can get carried out of a boat parade, you yeah. can have yeah, a little no, fun. I'll have a good time with that. I got no problem with that. I. Uh, What's your drink of choice? Uh, kind of anything, but uh, usually a vodka guy. Big Sunny and Soda guy. There you go. Um, Shout it out. Sunny Vodka. What's that? Oh. It's, uh, it's good. It's it's, I don't out. think it's out yet. Sunny Vodka? Yeah, no, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I Anything. To be honest. <laughs> this week, anything, whatever's, whatever's in, in front, front of you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll do a little tequila, I'll do a little vodka. <laughs> they sound yeah, fun. Matthew Stafford. I'm ready to hang out with them. drunk. <laughs> I know. Well, I kind of like it. it. Well, it's, it's funny. It's, it sounds like the wife wants him to be a drunk. That's what's even cooler. He's like, well, you know, I'm going to drink, but probably not to the level you want me to. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, like. Sh- Matthew, sh- sh- yeah. you're much more fun when you're drunk. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I've always heard he can put remember, down the remember, beers. <laughs> hey, we, I remember when, when Aaron Rodgers struggled to drink a little cup of beer. There was a video of Stafford with one of those big, oh, yeah, you don't you know, have to Stafford can pour it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard he's kind of, he can throw them down pretty good. So I don't think he'll have any issue. You know, now maybe he's a little more mature. He doesn't do it like he used to. But hey, for this one, what, like, seriously, how drunk would you get if you won the Super Bowl? Right? I mean, really. It would be, I don't, I mean, I would be like, who knows what, you know, I mean, this is, that would be the greatest day of my life. It really would. I'd have so much fun and drink and smoke so many daddy cigars. It would be the greatest day I, ever. Well, I mean, it's like a normal day for you, so you have to find a way to reach the next level. Let me tell you something. There, there it, it is. is. Well done. Boom. Well done. Look at that. Right like, there it goes. Not even a right problem. Right down. Take that, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, by the way, I now have won as many Super Bowls as you, too. Oh, man, Aaron that's Rogers. a big thing now on the online. Put that know. In, your, <laughs> in your glass and drink it, Aaron yeah. Rodgers. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, oh, man, that's all over social media. Matt Stafford now has as many championships as Aaron Rodgers. That's got to hey, be killing him. Listen, 
I've I've always been I've always been uh, a, a Matt Stafford fan, and one thing I'm reminded of that we hear uh, the the conversation between the newlyweds, not newlyweds, when they were newlyweds and on their way to their honeymoon, there was something on social media where Kelly Stafford was chiding her husband because he was checking PFT when they were on their way to their honeymoon. Oh, so I, that's he's... that's. Years he, ago. He likes football. He knows what's going on in the league. He really does. That's one thing I learned being in Los Angeles two weeks ago, you know, spending that day with the Rams. Between all the things I heard, McVay, and then just talking to Stafford just for a few minutes, he's very up to date with the league. He knows everything that's going on. And if you know everything that's going on, just like most people in the NFL, now they don't want to admit it because a lot of them don't like you, but they look at PFT like on Isn't the regular. Ridiculous? <laughs> Isn't that ridiculous that they won't yeah. admit it? That, like because, because I might say something they yes. don't like right. that may be accurate and truthful, yeah. but they don't want it. They want, they want, to hear, they want, they want the Emperor Rod ass naked down the street and nobody say anything. <laughs> because of that, they're sufficiently petted that they won't acknowledge where they get their information because I may have said something at some point yeah. they didn't like. Yeah, that's, you know, that's actually kind of humorous to me. It, no, it, it is humorous. There is no doubt. But you, you, you've cornered the market on where people go when they want to stay up to date. Listen, we had... What was this? Just, uh, I mean, I'm going to pat you on the back and really stroke your ego today. I mean, this is disgusting. Oh, that's but, all right. But that's Carson right. Palmer's, you know, younger brother. Um, uh, Jordan. Jordan. Damn, Jordan. I'm sorry, Jordan. Jordan's a great guy. You know, one of the things he told us, right, last week at Media Row when we were doing the show, he said the one thing he teaches the young quarterbacks after he starts teaching them football and mechanics and doing all that kind of stuff is going, now you got to learn the league a little bit and what's going on. And he makes them pay attention to PFT. So they know, like, what's going on in the league and have a clue about the business they're about to be involved in. I thought that was very smart. But, uh, you know, kudos to you, man. I think that speaks to what you built here. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't have to say it. It was nice. It was nice. Uh, it was. And, and it kind of surprised me. But, it, but it, you know, I remember back in the early days when I started hearing from people, that, you know, everybody's reading this stuff. And I'm thinking, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why would they? Um, and it took me like five years to come to terms with the fact that, uh, for whatever reason, people were reading it. But, I, I, you know, a couple of things that were said to me off air last week, and I can't say who said them. But it, it, if anything, has made me more determined to say what needs to be said when it needs well, to be said. Yeah. There aren't a lot of people out there who are willing to say what needs to be said. Right. No, I, I, I think that's the number one thing I get from people in the league all the time, even from people who maybe got, have been annoyed by your copy-paste, copy-paste, snarky comment at like times. Like Kyle. Well, Kyle. Just Hi, the, Kyle. Yeah, other friends, too. It's just, you know, and I, again, I haven't talked to Kyle in a while. It's not Kyle. But it, people do love the fact that – you know, you, we, you and I fight a, fight against the league and don't let the league just get away with bull crap. And I, and I think, uh, you know, I think there is a level of respect from some coaches and some people in higher management that, that like that we don't let them get away with their, their BS. Well, and I don't pay attention to a lot of other shows. I never want to be accused of taking people's bits. I don't even want it to soak into my brain. And frankly, after we've done it for two hours... Why do I want to listen to someone else do it for two hours? I don't care. We do it. We talk about it. I know what's going on. I don't need to hear someone else talk about it. But I get the impression there aren't many other places where people will say what needs to be said. And, and either they, hey, and this is credit to NBC that they let us do it. It's it not is. just an issue of right. we don't have to be brave. Like every time we sit down and go off on the league, it's not like we're thinking, oh, sh- 
oh crap we're over here. Oh, oh crap we're gonna get in trouble for this we, we joke say? about it we joke about it sometimes but we never really have to worry i mean the only time i was mildly worried at all last week was when i i did the thing about how they they hid the the alvin Kamara existence in his locker in the yeah. NFL experience right. in the clumsiest way possible. Let's just – everybody knows he wears number 41. Let's just turn around his jersey so it doesn't say Camara, and let's just put Cam Jordan on top. Are you kidding me? What, how Bush League can you be? But I thought they'd be mad about that because, you know, they gave us access to the NFL experience all week long. As we promoted their sport, that's the other side of it too. Anytime anybody from the league gets mad at me, I have the card ready to play if I need to, and I don't have to do it very often. Hey, butthole, I promote your product every day of my life. From the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed, I am writing stuff that helps people better understand and enjoy your product. You benefit from it, so get off my ass. I'm ready to say that at any moment when they decide they're going to give me a hard time. I, I, I just said it I now, hear. and I'll say it every day if yeah. I have to. I think most That's of them realize do. that. Well, hopefully I, I do. do. I mean, listen, we've, we've had Roger Goodell come up to us and thank us for what we do for the league and, and all that. I'm sure he's probably looking yeah. at us also going, you sons of mother, mother you jerks, yeah. you guys call yeah. me out on everything. I'm sure yeah, he's saying that too, but thanks. I think he understands thanks for your coverage. what you're doing. Yes, <laughs> right. Thanks for your coverage, you two jerks. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was I going to say earlier? And you got me off track. I oh, I had a little tequila last night. Oh, I had a tequila okay, last night. cool. I here's what happened. Yes, and and I, I hate I hate to say this, I, but I have to. I'm I'm honest. I'm not going to lie about what happened. Emmett Smith brought the beautiful bottle of Herradura te- tequila right, on Friday. Right. And he cracked it open, took it out of the box, cracked it open, poured some out for him, poured some out for me. I took one little drink. It was really good, and he left the bottle. So I took the bottle with me to the hotel on Friday night, and I thought, you know, I'll drink a little bit of it Friday night, have a little bit of it Saturday, have a little bit of it Sunday. I never had a drop of it Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night. Why? I didn't have any. I just, it's like, well, because, because we had to get up so damn early on Saturday and Sunday. We had to leave the hotel at 6.45 in the morning on Sunday. Are you kidding me? Now, the time change would tend to do that because we started the show at 10 o'clock local time. But I never had a chance. I never had a chance where I felt comfortable to drink it. By Sunday night, I was so spent. I didn't yeah. even have the energy to open the bottle. Right. So what I did was, I, I was telling my son last night, like, I, I was tempted to just leave all my luggage and start over again. I just didn't even feel like packing. I called my wife and I said, would it be a problem if I just left my suitcase here and just took my <laughs> bags and came home? Like, it's just shirts and pants. We can get more shirts and pants. I don't want to bring this bag. So anyway, I took the bottle of tequila and I, I, I'd left it. I figure, you know, somebody's getting a bottle of tequila only has that much out of it. Hopefully somebody took it. It's not like, I mean, I know it's open. And you're like, yeah, it's some stranger's tequila. Yeah, like, there's what no I way. Put in there? No one's going to drink that. What, I, are you crazy? I, what are you, why not? You, oh, you, you can, smell can, it. It's tequila. We're talking to the guy who w- was afraid to be in the same, you know, thousand by thousand right, foot room with somebody. Now you think somebody with COVID is going to go some, around and go, well, let me have that person's some, open tequila. You're crazy. Somebody's no going to take that. a drink of it and say, it's still tequila. <laughs> Tastes like Splenda gets drunk like scotch. They're going to drink some of that tequila. Okay. I would have. 
And yo, it's you tequila to kill the COVID. I'm throwing the challenge flag on that. There is no freaking way you would open or uh, pop open a stranger's tequila that somebody has already drank. No chance Mike Floria does that. None. None. I, well, I, I wouldn't, but if I was 21 <laughs> yes. years old okay. and I was working at a hotel. Then and, you would, And maybe. if it was me, yes. if it was me... I, if it was me at age 21 and I had a part-time job working at a hotel and the cleaning staff brought down this bottle of tequila and said, hey, some guy from NBC left this bottle of tequila and he's only drank that much of it, I'd say, give me the mother effing tequila. We're going to go have a party. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If the first shot doesn't kill me, I know the 20th one will, but if the first one doesn't kill me, give I'll me move on to number two, two three, and yeah. four. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. What in the hell are we talking about? I, my son said to me, why didn't you bring it home? I said, what am I going to do with it? This is a what good one, What am I going to do too. with it? Put it I in my suitcase. This. There's David Bakhtiari. This is and not here it like, is. look I'm at glad. this. Well Let's done, go. control room. There's two of them. <laughs> not gone. even a problem. He wants a party with Matthew Stafford. It's on you, Aaron Rodgers. Let's see you drink your oh tequila. Oh, my gosh. Right, or, or what not your was tequila, this? Your beer. What is this? Uh, I can't even believe uh, this. I can't uh, even believe this. The fact that he held up one finger and did that, I don't know what that is. I, I just yeah. can't. I can't uh, even believe that. I really can't. It's like there's something that you have to do where you just kind of there's something with your you just have to you can't drink it. You just have to open your mouth and you do something with your throat where you just pour it straight down. I, I know. It's like Rogers like was like worried about like his his per, you know like his his perception out there. Like it was like halfway through he was like, "Wait, this won't oh, look good shock. if I what chug a this." Shock. Let He's me act like it's very hard cuz I'm not I'm a good drinker. Stunned. Man, and here's Tom. Here comes. Man, that can't just we be liquor. Tommy's. That can't just be liquor. That's got to be some weed with the liquor. I don't care what. Somebody gave him some weed. Look, he ain't even got the giggles there. You don't get the giggles when you're drunk like that. He oh, drank. yes, I do. <laughs> you do? Oh, you yes, get I go- do. You get the giggles yeah, like yes, that? Yes, I do. Oh, oh man. Yes, that do. is one of the greatest clips ever. I mean, that really... It's Weekend at Bernie's with Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. I feel like I've been drinking this morning. I haven't. Please, I have not. I'm just in a good mood. It is so good to be home. It, and it's like the longer I'm home, the better I feel. And uh, anyway, we had some fun there. We did. The first 52 minutes of the program. Now we got a lot of work to now do. Now we got to go to the Combine in two weeks. Combine, two weeks. Uh, We're going to go fun. there. Have fun. Have fun. <laughs> You're such have a fun. jerk. I guess I'll be by myself. <laughs> have fun. We'll Mike pat, McCarthy had we'll some things you to in. say. <laughs> have fun. Mike McCarthy had some things to say yesterday to Rich Eisen about the narrative surrounding the Dallas Cowboys. We'll discuss that next. There we are. There he is. There that we mom, are. I don't look like I'm giggling. Florio again. <laughs> I didn't know I was as tall as you. We'll be right back. Jerry Jones in a story written on Dallas Cowboys dot com uh, was talking about Dan Quinn coming back to your fold and mentioning how Sean Payton and Jason Garrett um, stuck around uh, for a long time as assistants in Dallas because quote every one of those three coaches have said they'd love to be the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys so my point is that has in my mind a lot of logic as to why they might not take a job now rather than one or wait and see how the cards go in the future uh, the follow-up question was uh, kind of obvious. Like, what about your current head coach, Mike McCarthy? And the quote was, Mike knows that someday somebody other than him will be coach of the Cowboys. Uh, what do you think about that supposition, Coach Mike McCarthy? 
Oh, so we, we have an hour, correct? <laughs> <laughs> this narrative broke out. Uh, I think it, in reflection to the relationship that Dan and I do have, you know, he just said, hey, man, if I'm not comfortable with this narrative, um, you know, if, if, if you really feel like I need to take one of these jobs, you know, just be honest with him. And, I, and, and I, we kind of laughed about it. And I just said, Dan, 10 to 12 years ago, I, I'd tell you, please get the hell out of here. I don't want to deal with this. But the, the reality of it is, um, I'm about winning. He's about winning. And the best thing for the Cowboys is for Dan Quinn to be here. You know, Jerry's the owner. He's the GM. And, and he's, you know, he's uh, always taking a 360-degree view of everything. Um, and I think it's like anything in life. You know, we have a lot of one-on-one conversations. Uh, we, we discussed all these things. You know, we, we um, you know, I never once felt that I was not going to be the head coach moving forward. Are these narratives unusual? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've never dealt with anything like this. Um, do I wish I didn't have to come on here and answer questions about it? Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I wish we were talking about something else, but um, it is part of it's part of our landscape. It's part of his landscape because it's the way things work on his football team. That's, that's what that's Jerry it. Jones does. Right. That's not normal. Right. That's what only other, a cowboy what thing. What other owner touts uh, an assistant coach as a potential future head coach of the team? I mean, Jerry Jones does that, and I think he kind of likes that. He likes the fire that it lights under his current guy. And uh, there is a fire under Mike McCarthy, even though he didn't get fired there's definitely pressure on McCarthy between Dan Quinn on the inside and Sean Payton on the outside. He's got plenty of guys to worry about, and the idea is that'll motivate him to be better at his job. Yeah, I get that. I mean, you know, Mike McCarthy understands the situation. You're right, this is the Cowboy thing. This does not go on with other organizations. You know, Dan Quinn, to Mike McCarthy's point, no doubt makes the Cowboys better. You know, they got something working there. I don't like this notion that, like, Dan Quinn made this decision, you know, just because he wanted to be back in Dallas on his defensive coordinator. I mean, come on. Throw the challenge flag, the BS flag, whatever you want. He didn't get a chance. He wasn't going to get one of these jobs. Once he realized that, he said they made all the right comments to go, oh, we're going, I want to go back and be a part of the Dallas Cowboys. And they, they switched around you know, the framework of all the talk to basically sound like, hey, we love him so much and he loves it so here, so much here that he doesn't even want one of these jobs out there. No, negative ghost rider, stop the BS train right there. Nobody offered him a job. Come on, get the hell out of here. He didn't turn down a head coaching job to go, I want to be the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys. No, that did not happen. Absolutely not. But it is good for the Dallas Cowboys that he's back. They are building something. We saw a dramatic improvement. The team, on, the, the personnel on the defensive side certainly fits Dan Quinn's style of, of coaching and the scheme he plays. And it's a good thing. And I think you're right, Mike. I do think there's something about Jerry Jones that he likes that there's a, you know, like we talk about, when you got a sometimes a good backup quarterback to a quarterback, it puts the, the hot poker by their butt a little bit. Makes them get on you know, their P's and Q's and dot the I's and cross the T's and all that crap. And I think that's what Jerry Jones probably likes. And as you've said, it's not like they were the 85 Bears. They were just right. dramatically better than the crap show that they were in 2020. So they still have work to do to get to where they want to be. The bottom line is they fell far short of Jerry Jones' expectations. And a lot of that is on the head coach and uh he's going to need to get better in 2022 the team needs to perform better or they're going to have to worry about change he's going to have to worry about change whether it's from within or from without and on that point from without here's mccarthy from yesterday talking about the sean payton 
looming presence and Peyton from last week on PFT Live talking about the reality that Mike McCarthy's in a position where he's going to be looking over his shoulder and seeing the former Saints coach. About Sean Payton's narrative, also, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's been discussed. You have discussed yeah. that with him. Huh? What is what is is anything you can share uh, that you have discussed? Oh, no, that just, really, the, the, just the conversation was, you know, uh, you and I are in this, you know, back to back, and uh, you know, it's a partnership, and you know, just focus on what we need to do moving forward. Um, and you know, and he he made some, you know personal comments about you know how he feels about it but you know that's really for for him and i but mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, i'm very very comfortable with our relationship and our dialogue have you called or will you call mike mccarthy and say don't worry about me don't think about me don't look over your shoulder just go do your thing have you had that conversation i haven't and you know what I, that's a good idea um because i felt like it took place for a while with with jason garrett a good friend of mine who i coached at the Giants, uh, still a close friend to this day, and I, and I consider Mike someone who's a close friend. And Mike's done it long enough. We both entered the league as head coaches the same year in 06. We're of the same age and we're of the same background, and, and look, uh, our paths have been different, but I'm his big fan, and, and I think he's one of those guys who's a fantastic coach. Um, I had this whole conversation with with the Saints ownership the week prior to the wild card round and mrs benson said take a week go on vacation to mexico and and before you come back with that answer because i knew then i I wanted to step away and and sure enough that first round game dallas loses and i'm like ah it's so much easier (laughs) than i had the tuesday before that and that shows you he's fully aware of how he's connected to the Dallas Cowboys. Look, of course. three years ago, Jerry Jones tried to hire him yeah. while Jason Garrett was still the coach. Right. And I, I think from Peyton's perspective, it's all fair. Look, there's 32 of these jobs. There's only one Dallas Cowboys organization, and the owner's going to decide who the coach is. That's right. And just because one of your friends is currently the coach, if the owner decides to move on from that guy to you, you're not going to say, ah, sorry, but, but that's my friend. I can't yeah. do that to my friend. Right. Friendship goes out the window when it comes to coaching the Dallas Cowboys. Right. Well, I mean, what's the old saying, right? Like all is fair in love and war, right? I mean, you know, this is this is like this is just business. He's not like personally trying to attack Mike McCarthy. He's not calling Jerry Jones and being like, "Hey, McCarthy stinks. He's not a good guy. He's not a good coach. You should hire me." No. He's just doing Sean Payton's just doing Sean Payton. You know, this is the, the Cowboys who have made this bet, and and we know what we're dealing with with Jerry Jones. I mean, to me, this is the that's the guy to be worried about if I'm Mike McCarthy. Forget the Dan Quinn thing. To me, it just uh, I will not be shocked if the season for the Cowboys does not meet the Jones family expectations, and that by, that means another like wild card loss. But if the Jones expected to oh, this is a championship NFC championship type team or, or a Super Bowl type team, I, I would think. Mike McCarthy's going to be in trouble with Sean Payton out there. There's no doubt about that. There's no doubt Jerry Jones had his eye on Sean Payton, or still does. And there's no doubt, if you talk to anybody who has any knowledge of the situation, that the Cowboys are on Sean Payton's radar. It's definitely the one team on his list he would love to coach in football, or the top two or three. Anybody I know that knows Sean Payton would would tell you that as well. So uh, that would be the one I'd look for, you know, depending on how 2022 shapes up for the Cowboys.
As explained in the forthcoming book, Playmakers, and as we've previously discussed, it was a done deal unofficially three years ago before Anthony Davis, then of the New Orleans Pelicans, told Mickey Loomis, who was then the VP of Basketball Operations for the New Orleans Pelicans, he wanted out. And that's when Mickey Loomis said to Sean Payton, I can't do this now. I can't let you go. I can't be the common thread between Anthony Davis and Sean Payton leaving New Orleans, and that's when it fell apart. It was happening yeah. three years ago. Right. And, uh, yeah, there's a sense it's going to happen in a year. He was so good, though, because I tried to ask him a tough question that wouldn't piss him off. And I thought it was a fair question. If you called Mike McCarthy and said, don't worry about me, he said, that's a good idea. That and then was. basically his answer was, no, I didn't, and I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> he better just pull up his big boy pants because this is the way it works, baby. I mean, that was, that was the message through all those words. He isn't going to do it. There's no reason to do it. I didn't do it with Jason Garrett. I'm not doing it with him. Yeah, period. No. I, it, again, it's, it's not personal. Mike McCarthy's going to realize that. This is not like Sean Payton's trying to steal his job. Sean Payton's just sitting back. His results speak for themselves. Or the, 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 that's, that's the bottom line. Sean Payton is an awesome football coach. He is arguably one of the – I mean, not arguably. He's one of the greatest offensive minds in the history of football, let alone – Everything else he brings to a team, motivation, toughness, physicality. You know, this is not just a guy that's into throwing for 5,000 yards like we've seen. I mean, they weren't that type of team the last four or five years. They've, all, they've always shown great balance, even with Drew Brees at the end of the career. You know, they were still running the football, beating you up physically. Defense has been awesome for four or five years. That's all Sean Payton. The team is tough and physical because he, he's that. He's edgy and tough. And his, t- his players show, you know, they're, they're a, a replica of him and his attitude. Uh, I love Sean Payton. I hope he's not out of football too long. I don't want him taking any jobs with ESPN, Monday Night Football, anything. I want him back in the NFL coaching an offense somewhere. And I hope that happens sooner rather than later. By the way, he was great on Friday's show when you weren't there. Ron Rivera earlier in the day was great when you weren't there. I may have offered both of them your seat. Oh, uh, yeah, shocker. Yeah, you're a shocker. Yeah, real loyal guy over there. Real loyal guy. <laughs> you're like the Jerry Jones of hosts. Always looking for the next guy. <laughs> Got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, right. Keep the you poker's by my butt. I guarantee you. I guarantee you neither of them would swear on the air. Uh, I guarantee you. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't agree with that. I, don't, I think Sean Payton well, would, would get emotional at one point and say something. He's, he's definitely... There's no way. He's he's like me. I think he's a potty mouth, uh, but he just buttons it up the right way when he has to. <laughs> and, and I will say this. If you have watched, and I guess you could still watch, the All or Nothing on Amazon that featured the Panthers, you get Ron Rivera in the locker room at halftime, it's a different guy altogether. <laughs> yeah, and right. the paint peels off the walls <laughs> That's when, right. when Ron Rivera is around. Because, uh, yeah, he will let it fly when he needs to. All right, let's take a break. When we return... Some expletives may be flying from a certain group of fans who are loyal to a certain quarterback of a team that wears aqua jerseys. To and on. Activate. To and on. They're coming after you, Sims. We'll be right back. <laughs> Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. 
the few, the proud, the Marines. This is, this is an awesome day for me, um, and I'm damn sure going to make sure that when you look back on this day, you're going to be like, damn, that was one of the best days of my career, too. Okay? But I'll earn that from you. There's a camera on us right now. Since you can't hear him, he's, he's telling me how excited he is. And, uh... That there's no other coach you'd rather play for in the entire world, which I thought was nice since it was the first time I've really talked to him. <laughs> it's on, bro. If you don't have eye black at home, you better go get some eye black because we're going. That was last week. Mike McDaniel, the new coach of the Miami Dolphins, FaceTiming with Tua Tonga-Vailoa. McDaniel more recently said that Tua's skill set will be, quote, very successful in this offense. A lot of three-yard passes then in the Mike McDaniel offense, apparently, for Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Look, I, Tua has his moments, but, you know, I think people legitimately have concerns about where his ceiling is and how close he's ever going to get to it, whether it's because of physical limitations, uh, arm strength, just everything, size, everything, the, the total package. Right. I still am astounded by the fact that the Dolphins took him over Justin Herbert. That blows me away. When you look at the two guys, just put them next to each other, and, and you already have a huge hill that Tua Tonga-Valoa has to climb to show that he's better than Justin Herbert. I know that size isn't everything, and there's plenty of, of great smaller quarterbacks, but it just, it's, it's a tough sell. So if you're, if you're Mike McDaniel, do you view it? as an upgrade to go from a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo to Tua when you consider the differences between those two guys and the offense McDaniel's going to run? Well, it's it's like there's an upgrade in some areas. Like Tua's certainly more athletic and going to be able to be able to get on the move as far as the bootlegs and some quarterback movement stuff that I think, you know, Shanahan and Mikey McDaniel probably wanted to do more with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is not the greatest mover in the world. So I think there is that aspect. But, man, I look at it and go, it's the perfect fit for Tua. I mean, he, he really should count his blessings. I really think Mike McDaniel, that system going down there for him is perfect for him. I mean, what do we talk about the 49ers all the time? I mean, they, they don't do anything. They throw the ball eight yards over the middle every play. Or Shanahan finds some crazy way to get Debo Samuel in the flat or the reverses and the speed sweeps. But, man, we've gone through, you know, weeks in the season where you go, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo really didn't throw the ball outside the numbers or down the field in three straight games other than, like, two or three plays in every game. That fits Tua. So I think between that, you know, their ability and what we've seen with, like, you know, Debo Samuel with the 49ers, they got a guy in Jalen Waddell who's similar that way too. They're going to orchestrate an offense that'll fit to it. The offense, I think, naturally fits to it in a lot of ways. So we'll see where it goes. But again, as we're seeing with the 49ers, you know, you got to make some throws and some plays at some point. They're a Super Bowl team that has not had a quarterback that can make those two or three plays to get them over the hump. And that ultimately is what's been their issue, and that's why they're going to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, so that, that's the thing with Tua that we'll continue to evaluate as we go. Offense is good. That's great. But there's still going to be a handful of games where they're going to take away some of that stuff, and you've got to make some throws, and that's you know, what we both question. Bottom line, great coaches take the players they have and they do things that get the most out of what they do well and cover up the things they don't do well. That's a big part of coaching. You take that lump of clay and you shape it into something that fits 
what you do and you make what you do fit what that lump of clay is if it really is just a lump that you have to try to make something out of. Let's do a little word association with these new quarterback coach marriages. We'll start with Mike McDaniel and Tua Tonga-Vailoa. First word that comes to mind for you. Well, I wrote, I said savior that first, uh, when we talked about it just a second ago. I'll say it was savior again. I do. I look at Mike McDaniel, and I think that's part of the reason he was hired. I think they probably looked at it between him and Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore, that offense, they asked Dak Prescott to throw the ball in a more traditional way and make big throws down the field. Not to his game. Absolutely not. So they got the guy that went, wait, he came from an offense where they made 70 million ways to throw the ball right here, right there, right here, right there, right there, right there. That's all they did. That fits to a perfect. And that's why I look at it as the savior word is what I'll go with there. I still view it as temporary because I'm not buying any of the narratives that have been put out there by the Dolphins post the firing of Brian Flores that everybody wanted Tua except Flores, and he's the reason that Tua's been down, and he's the reason that they wanted Deshaun Watson. No, they all wanted Deshaun Watson. Steven Ross is the one who wants a franchise quarterback, and he's already come to the conclusion that Tua isn't. And they're going to give him a chance in this new offense. But if it doesn't work, you know, if he gets banged up, that's the one thing we haven't discussed. McDaniel was working with Garoppolo, who can't stay healthy. Tua has had issues staying healthy. So, you know, this new offense exposes you to contact, apparently, and uh, Tua may end up not being able to play. So I think, regardless, it's not going to last long, and eventually they're going to be looking again for a franchise quarterback, the guy that Stephen Ross covets. Not that he doesn't have other things to currently worry about, like, you know, maybe having to sell his team. Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr, first word that comes to mind. Robots. I don't know. You know that that's the first thing. I I, think, I I look at Josh McDaniels. He's a robot. He really is. You know, he's like a Belichick. It's just everything's detailed, organized. He knows how to coach everything in the world, and he wants a robot at quarterback like Tom Brady. And we've seen Derek Carr. He's got some robotic tendencies. He can do that. I think that it'll actually work really well. I do. I I look at Derek Carr. I just think the way he's handled himself in the Gruden offense. This is going to be a total mental flip around for the language of the offense, some of the rules of the offense. He's going to have some things where he went with John Gruden. He's going to go, hey, that was cool. We used to do this with Gruden. And Josh McDaniels going to go, oh, yeah? Well, I used to do this with Tom Brady, and my way is really cool. So watch this crap. And he's going to go, whoa, it is cool, but damn, there's a few more things to think about there. Uh, they got to rewire the robot a little bit, but these are two robots, I think, together that can do some things and do some damage in Las Vegas. And you know what? I I could try to think of a better word, but I like yours from the perspective of the player because that's what you have to be to be successful in the Josh McDaniels offense. Yeah. You have to allow yourself to completely be programmed by McDaniels in everything you do, how you operate the offense, how you operate yourself when it's time to talk, everything. It's it's the Stepford Patriot dynamic where – you, you, you don't say anything that's ever going to cause any issues. And I feel like Derek Carr wants to please his coaches so badly. That he tries to be maybe something other than what he really isn't because he's trying to be exactly what it is his coaches are looking from him. He's dying to be that lump of clay that is molded. And he's willing to put himself in whatever position he needs to be in to satisfy whoever the coach is. That's good for Josh McDaniels. Derek Carr is going to be whatever McDaniels wants him to be, and apparently they like what they have in Carr because they're already talking about signing him to an extension. I saw somebody suggesting he's going to make $40 million a year, which seems, I'm, seems like a little much, but okay. If McDaniels 
see something there that could cause uh, Carr to be the guy that McDaniels needs. And, you know, McDaniels took that job. He could have he could have waited again. Yeah. He didn't wait in a decade. Right. He saw something there in Las yeah. Vegas that made him take that job. And maybe he secretly, you know, in his file that he has on Derek Carr, has come to the conclusion this guy can win. Yeah, I, I think there's got to be some of that. Hey, I think he got the right GM there and Dave Ziegler, a guy he's got, like, you know, confidence in and knows that things are going to be run in that department the way that, you know, he finds ne- necessary to, to run a successful football team. So I think there's that marriage that's probably appealing, that was appealing to Josh McDaniels. And, you know, like we've talked about before, hey, we know, I mean, Derek Carr, yeah, I, you know, he's not, he's not Mahomes or Josh Allen or, or Joe Burrow for that matter. But he's that next group of guys down. I mean, he's hovering around top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think there'd be some people that would go, oh, yeah, he's number eight or nine for me. I mean, he's played too good of football. He's definitely one of the positives of the Raiders organization. And I think McDaniels looks at that and goes, wait, I got that. Now let me build everything else. This guy can handle all the mental aspects that I need for this offense. And I think to your point, the demeanor is Derek Carr goes all in to please his coaches. He's going to do whatever he's got to do for the betterment of the team, the coaching staff, whatever it may be. Uh, I, I do think this this you know could work, certainly, there in Las Vegas. Well, and... I, I look. I just I agree with everything you said, and and it could be kind of like the flip side of what we've seen with Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford, where you have established quarterback that goes to a new team and has great success right away. It could be you have established quarterback who stays put, but new coaching staff comes in and changes everything and gets more out of him than anybody ever has. That's possible. Yeah. Tough division, <laughs> especially if Aaron Rodgers shows up in Denver, but. Derek Carr uh, may be in a position to hold his own. Brian Dayball and Daniel Jones with the Giants. First word that comes to mind. Potential. I think that's what I look at. I look at Brian Dayball. I mean, you know I love the hire. We talked about it a little to start the week. I mean, I'm so excited for what the Giants are doing. I'm as excited as I've been since Tom Coughlin. You know, Brian Dayball, love his offense, love that he's the head coach. They got Wink Martindale as a D coordinator. I mean, come on, Big Blue. But I think what just as far as Jones and Dayball together, yeah, I mean, first off, I think Dayball has potential to be a, an awesome head coach. You know, I think he's an awesome play caller. And I think he could get the potential out of Daniel Jones. You know, again, this is going to be the best system Daniel Jones is a part of. I do think that Brian Dayball, as smart as he is, new, the new GM, everybody, they're going to get an improvement to the offensive line so we can finally see what Daniel Jones is all about, like we've discussed before. You know, not that we sit here and think again that he's the, you know, next or the, the best quarterback in football, but it's hard to really know what Daniel Jones is evaluating him on the Giants the last few years. It's really hard. You break down film of him and you just go, I don't care who you put here at quarterback. There's so many issues with that offensive line. It was the worst offensive line in football. It was not, It's not even close. It's so bad. So that's where I look at it. Dayball, his potential, and hopefully he can get all the potential we want You know, as Giants fans out of Daniel Jones. Josh Allen Jr. is what comes to mind for me because that's what they're trying to do. They wanted it last year. They wanted Daniel Jones to make that same third-year jump that we saw from Josh Allen. Now you got the guy who engineered it who's in a position to take what Daniel Jones can do. It gets back to what we were talking about earlier. What the guy does well, bring it out of him. What he doesn't do well, like trip over the 15-yard line, have him not do that. So (laughs) I think think there is potential there, and I think the goal is to make him – not necessarily Josh Allen, but something in that vicinity. Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. 
I, I guess, like, I want to say, like, been there, done that. As far as when I just think of that, I just uh, Peterson been a quarterback, was a, as a as a quarterback himself and a backup. He saw you know other young quarterbacks get groomed. He was there to see Brett Favre go through some of the lumps, you know, in Green Bay and other places. And then of course, you know, you, you say what you want. He did do a good job with Carson Wentz in in Philadelphia. Uh, You know, again, like we've mentioned a million times, Carson Wentz was on pace to be the MVP in football in his second year as the quarterback of the best team in football and was on fire. So he does know what it takes at the position, you know, to not not only as a coach, but having the the fact that he's been there as a player to, to, to steer a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence in the right direction and make him a better player. And hopefully that happens down there in Jacksonville. I'm going to say curiosity. Yeah. Because of all the marriages, I, this is one I look at and I say, you know, I'm, I am, I'm just curious. Yeah. Because it felt like Byron Leftwich was their first choice right. to work with Trevor Lawrence. But Leftwich didn't want Trent Baalke there, so it all blew up. And Shad Khan, the owner of the team, decided to pivot to Doug Peterson. I'm just very curious how this is going to work. Is it going to work? You know, there are unresolved questions about what happened in Philadelphia. Uh, can he really get the most out of Trevor Lawrence? We'll see. Last one. Kevin O'Connell, soon to be named head coach of the Vikings, we think. It's not done until it's done. And Kirk Cousins. Well, it's like, uh, you know, what is the, what is a word I want to use here? Uh, in part of the family, I guess, is what I want to I say here. You know, and I, what I mean by that is we know Kirk Cousins has history with McVay and that coaching staff there. So this is going to be like, you know, O'Connell's going to a place where he's being told good things about Kirk Cousins. You know, McVay loved Kirk Cousins. He was, you know, back to like our Derek Carr McDaniels, and he was a robot. So you could be a robot that McVay could wire, and, you know, he'll do exactly the thing. Like, Sean said to go here and read this guy. Okay, I will. I'm a robot. I mean, that's Kirk Cousins to a degree. You know, his issue is like what you've talked about before. It's when there's nothing there and the ability to make plays off schedule are not his top notch. But he's part of the family. Kevin O'Connell coming from a coaching tree that likes Kirk Cousins. And I think within Kirk Cousins, you know, it's good to have somebody in that family because, yeah, he's going to know. He's going to know it a little bit. He's going to know what he's dealing with. He's going to know the offense. He's going to know some of the rules. He's going to know some of the little nuances about how, you know, Kevin O'Connell's offense is a little different, you know, or McVay's offense is a little different as compared to what he's been in the last few years. So uh, I'll go with that. I couldn't think of a real creative one there. He loves him. He loves him not. I mean, (laughs) you know, I don't – I just – I still don't know because part of working with Kirk Cousins for a year in Washington – they were together. O'Connell was the quarterback's coach, and Cousins, obviously, the quarterback. And I, I don't know. I don't know what O'Connell really thinks of him. I know yeah, Sean McVay acts like he really likes him. And uh, there was yeah, apparently some chatter last year that Cousins was a guy that the Rams would try to get instead of Stafford. Interesting to know how that alternate reality would have played out if Cousins had been the quarterback. But th- th- there are limitations to Cousins' game. When, he, when everything goes well, he's spectacular. When things don't go well, he doesn't make chicken salad. That's the problem. So they're going to have to come up with a way yeah. with Kirk Cousins right. where he makes chicken salad out of chicken crap, and that's where his biggest failure has been because any great quarterback at some point is going to have to make a play when the play isn't there, and I rarely see Cousins do that. No, that, that's that's right. I, I mean, I think that's what we're talking about when you talk about the elite quarterbacks in football right now, and, and again, i got to go through it in my own mind, but I think there's about – 
six, seven, eight, maybe even nine right now in this league where you go through it and you go, wait, these guys when nothing's there, still like, man, the defense wins ten plays a game, but somehow the quarterback found a, found a way to win six or seven of those plays. So that, that, that is what a great quarterback does. And we saw that just in the Super Bowl. I mean, there's a few plays. Again, we, we talked about it yesterday, the great no-look throw down the middle. I mean, that's covered. Von Bell's in the area. He's going to, you know, Cooper Cup's not going to be able to pass the ball. But the fact that Stafford stared over here, it took Von Bell that way, and that was just the two or three inches they needed to get the ball behind to make that play happen. Uh, so that, that's the value of the great quarterback, to your point, Mike. All right, uh, let's take a break. Back to the Super Bowl. Our final after further review of the season, focusing on the fact that the refs swallowed their whistles until they didn't. Uh, We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 